0: Hello, and welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Andrew Lenzi, Artistic Director of Primary Stages, and joining me today is actress and dear friend Hallie Foote, who is currently starring in our production of Harrison, Texas by Horton Foote. So here we are to talk a little <laughs> bit about, I guess what a good place to start is how we began this journey. And it all began with a reading, actually, not of Horton's play, but of Daisy's play, him.
1: Yes, and somebody was saying to me they... um saw the reading and i was trying to remember was it 2 years ago that we did yes, it yes it was 2 so in 2010 yeah. and i remember it well cuz it was just right after it, orphans i think yeah. you had, you maybe you were in the middle of it or or we were probably wrapping it up cuz we wrapped yeah. it up in may and i think we, I, I may have come back after we finished to to do the reading
0: that's right you did you yeah. did come back yeah yeah and um you know we're talking about our next production, which is part of this overall festival of the Foot family and, uh, which is him, which, uh, Hallie will be in by Daisy Foot. Yes. And we did a reading of that and that began the conversation of how to build the season at the start of our season by doing Harrison, Texas. And we started looking at with, uh, Casey Childs, our executive producer and founder. And looking at several of Horton's one acts, and so we stumbled upon the great pairing of a blind date, a one armed man, and the midnight caller. Yes. And um, maybe, Hallie, you want to say a little bit about perhaps.
1: Well, each I was al- of the- I was always eager to have those three plays done. I, I love those plays, and my father loved the one-act play form. And I went back and reread some essays that he'd written, and one of them he talks about the one-act play form. And when he first came to New York as an actor, there were a lot more places to do one-act plays, and he was in two of them as an actor. And just sort of he remembered them vividly. And then when he started writing for television, he said, you know, people said I was writing for television. He said, but really what I was doing was writing one-act plays. Right. And one of those plays was called The Midnight Caller, and it had had a small production in the fifties, um, at the neighborhood playhouse and Bob Duval was in it and my mother saw him and said to my father, you should come down and see that boy in the Midnight Caller. He's wonderful. And as a result, he got the part of Boo Radley into Kill a Mockingbird. So, but it had never really been seen other than that small production in the fifties. In um, 58, right? I think it was 58, yeah, yeah. Or maybe a little later, but it was somewhere in, in, in that time frame. So I think it was, yeah. And so um, I thought it would be great to be able to see that play because I've always loved the play. And then we had two others that um, he'd written later in the 80s that I've loved as well. And so the result was the three of them. And yes, and, and and what
0: I, I love about them <laughs> artistically because it speaks to really Hortons, your father's breadth and body of work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, starting with Blind Date, which is, you know, Shows his comic timing yeah. to to I mean, and you. What I love about what you do on stage every night is, in a sense, you have this list of of, of what to do as you're prepping uh-huh. um, her for her date, and um, in a sense, it could be a phone book, <laughs> but you make it such a rich, oh, wonderful list. Tell me a little bit about that comic sensibility of his.
1: Well, I I think you're right. I think that the um, blind date is one of his funniest plays it's not his only funny play and most of his plays have humor but this play is just contained in a again the one act form and i just think it's sort of priceless yeah yeah. and i don't want to give away too much but it sort of involves a a woman who's the aunt of this girl um and she's determined to get her a a date fix her up on a blind date (laughs) And she's having some problems because the girl's not exactly cooperative. And yeah. um, anyway, it's very funny. And then the second play, I think, um, the one, Our Man, we should yes, talk about, which is we another – it's a very unexpected style. It's very dark. Mm-hmm. uh play of my dad's. Very dramatic. Very dramatic. Won't say what happens, but something happens on stage that doesn't normally happen in a play of my father's.
0: But what I think was interesting, too, that we found um, in this, we found Mm -hmm. this with Pam McKinnon, our director, who has been incredible to work with, and, you know, we we ended up casting this a little bit differently than it was written, in in age-wise. And I think that also added a new unexpectedness to it, Mm -hmm. that we discovered that wouldn't and Traditionally, I think the um, the two performers well, – Well, the three, kind of
1: Rotarian, the yes. older – he's a little – probably should be a little bit older. But we were also, I think rightly so, um, doing some double casting. And this yes. Jeremy Bob who plays C.W., he's a little young for the part. But he, he's sort of a perfect age for a part in Midnight Caller. And he read so well for that part. Pam really, really wanted him to play um, yes. the part of the – Love interest, and, and but I
0: think what we've discovered is that it it, it works it really, <laughs> really works in, a, in an exciting way that yeah.
1: I don't know if your dad would have traditionally cast it that way. No. with the younger, he might have, he might have he, he probably would have sat down with Pam and he was always open to that stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. he's practical too. He he understood the need to kind of double cast, and if somebody read well, you know, th- that was all that mattered to him. I think you know, yeah. Yeah, and this as long is, as you could justify it.
0: And, and this is part of what we were looking at, too, is, is putting these three plays together. And we'll talk about Midnight Color in a second. Um, but, you know, in a sense, for all of us, it became a puzzle artistically is how these plays come together. And, and I think that's where Pam has been, has helmed it extremely well and kept us um, on track because to go from the comedy to the dramatic to um, um, to the... Well, once again, comedic, but also what's um, Well, it's more lyrical, fanciful, and it, there's a kind yes. of
1: bittersweet thing, and there's a kind of a magical feeling to that last one, to me anyway. And it's about loneliness, that play.
0: Yeah, The Midnight Caller. Yeah. I
1: but I also think what Pam so wonderfully did was sort of gathered this team of designers, and they were able to, because he does, my father does write about play, a place called Harrison, and yes. that's why it's called Harrison, Texas. They all three do take place in Harrison, Texas, and She was able to kind of meld each play together through the set and the wonderful music and lights. um, uh, And those are all the designers, of course. So, so why did your dad pick Harrison? Well, he originally called it Wharton, which is where he's from, and he got in a lot of trouble. And then he, I think he he wrote a a dance piece called "Goodbye to Richmond." He was going to start calling, I think, it Richmond, but then it ended up as Harrison, and I don't know. How quite frankly Th- that is also a family name, Harrison, um, right, right. so maybe that 's how he pulled it out I, of the you know air. i just don 't know to <laughs> tell you the truth i 'm sure he 's written about it somewhere i just don 't remember yeah 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 um, and then
0: so I guess you know the other part of the amazing part of all of this is you know y- you are heralded as being the interpreter of your father 's work and um, very successfully and 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 it is very much a family, um, backstage and, mm-hmm. and, um, especially the environment that, um, you always work in and, 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 excel in. And, um, but, but how does it, now that you, you know, unfortunately, Horton's not here, how does it feel to have that sort of mantle be placed upon you and, and, and to sort of be the, um, in many ways, not only are you, sometimes author um um but um interpreter and
1: uh i am never author in sense of writing but um i have i kind of know how my dad thinks, so if there are questions sometimes i i hope I answer them um, yeah. not as well as he would have because he you know He was amazing in a room um, with director and actors. He had been an actor, like I said, and so he knew how to talk to actors and um, was always really helpful. Um, And sometimes I just say, Dad, you know, can you help me out here? Because I, I, you know, I don't always know the answers. Um, And I miss him very, very much. It's always kind of sad to me when I sit down to start working on something of his because he's he's not – I feel his presence, but it's not yes. his physical presence that's there any longer.
0: No, I think his, his presence is very much in, in the room and with us. Um, you know, I remember yeah. him very fondly in that, in that seat, in at, that seat up Well, top and so many
1: audience members have come up to me and they say, you know, I met your father. He used to sit in that chair every night. He was there and, um, and, they miss him. Everybody misses him. It's it's yeah. you know,
0: and he was lovely because he would always sit there. I mean, during when we did dividing this state, and also the day Emily mm-hmm. married, he would sit in that first balcony chair, and there would at intermission there would be a line of yeah. people waiting <laughs> to say hi to him. Yeah, and um, he he had he had such a generous. He loved speaking to people, yeah. and, and there was a simplicity and an honesty to him. Yeah. That he, and he he was a great listener too. He really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you can see that in his writing very clearly. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something interesting too, Hallie, because I see your you, what where, where your acting is so very successful is in the simplicity.
1: Oh, thank uh, you.
0: Of of what you do, and and I think that in many ways affects um, that natural comedic timing too. <laughs> um, Tell me a little bit about how, because it was funny. I was I was talking to Mary Bacon, and she was mentioning to me, um, um, my my wife, in full disclosure, and uh, uh, that she that you were talking about the different tonalities of the Southern accent, and and how there are you know sort of lyrical and and different aspects to that performance.
1: Well, I think um, it's interesting because Mary actually has a great accent and. She sounds exactly like my neighbor in Wharton, because we still have my dad's house down there. And um, the house behind his house is my great-grandmother's, was was my great-grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. And a woman named Paulette Rhodes, she won't mind, anyway, if I say this, um, (laughs) lives there with her husband Chuck. And Mary sounds exactly like Paulette. And I had a saved a phone message from Paulette on my cell phone and I said, Mary, listen to this. And she went, Oh my God. So um but yes, there there the the thing about that part of Texas, Southeast Texas, which is near Houston, um there are a lot of transplanted what I call Southerners from other places, Virginia, um Alabama, you know, uh just all over. And it's not what you it's not what is known as a sort of the harder uh West Texas accent that people often associate with texas um, right. it's a more gentle kind of um lyrical for lack of a better word sound to it and uh so whenever we start working on things like i i just that, that's the only thing i stipulate is i say just don't invest in something that's sort of a caricature of a texas accent because because they don't all talk like that
0: right and and i think that's where uh, you and pam and uh, Everybody in the company, the success when we really started to own it in uh-huh. previews and was that it was there was nothing being added on.
1: Yeah,
0: there was a naturalness to it, and 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 Pam is very good about pulling away, you know, <laughs> um, other stuff, you know, yes. and just
1: sim- honing it down and yeah. simplifying. She really is. There's a, there's a real honesty to what she uncovers. She's very big on that, and I appreciate that because um, yeah. I think it serves these plays very well, and it serves all the plays that she's directed.
0: And what was it like for you guys
1: collaborating this for your first time? Um, she is great. She's very kind of direct. Um, I felt very comfortable with her. I didn't have a lot to say because I didn't need to say a lot. Yeah. She yeah. kind of instantly got my dad's stuff. I didn't usually talk. If I said something, I'd kind of wait because I often found that she was sort of ahead of me, but the way she works, she's very patient with actors and she'll kind of let them push the envelope. You know, she'll let them do their thing and then she'll start reeling them in or shifting them in a better direction. But I don't think she wants to just come in and sort of hit them over the head with a sledgehammer and say, that's not working. She'd rather let them discover it and, come to it on their own and i think that's very smart but occasionally i'd have a suggestion or a question and she always took them and listened to what i had to say right
0: yeah i mean she was always there and she's always constantly i, I th- listening in a way that's very mm-hmm. smart she doesn't react first you know no, she, she no. always listens i she, said
1: i don't know how you do it i would be <laughs> i said i'm the worst <laughs> and i
0: was just saying to you outside before we started taping the show you know there's certain directors that you know as an artistic director. All I have to do is just let her do what she does best and yeah. step out of the way. And 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 no,
1: I know. I know you were saying Michael was like Wilson's yeah, like Michael that also. Wilson's like yeah. that as
0: well. And who who you've worked with? Yep. we've worked with many times. Yes, it's also part of the Foot family as <laughs> Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And so now, going to next, we're going to be doing him, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, now we have Daisy in the room. And yes, this is and a the new world director. premiere and a new director, Evan Eunulus. Yes, Yannoulis. Evan Yannoulis. very excited. But you've been working with Daisy on, or at least acting in the the play since its earlier readings. So
1: no, uh-uh. this is was, I, I did a reading of it for you.
0: Yes, yeah. and
1: I did a reading of it just for Daisy, and actually my dad heard it. Oh, really? Um, but it was a. At, you know her agent's office. It wasn't a formal reading. It was just so she could hear it read. Right, right. Um, but they did have a a, a a sort of reading, I think, at Hartford Stage. But I wasn't in that because we were working on Orphans at the time, and I wasn't able to do it. Yeah,
0: they did it as part of Hartford new, new play yeah. festival. Yeah, and I think there was an additional reading out in Portland.
1: Yes, and that was um, a different group. Yes, um, yes. So, but other than that, no. I, I, I but I love this. Play and I love the part, so I'm very excited.
0: Well, and I think with him, it's it's a different part because now we moved to New Hampshire and yes. that other part of your life, um, <laughs> which uh, Daisy's picked up on a little bit. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that part of your history and when you. Well,
1: m- my history with New Hampshire is not Daisy's history because Daisy's a lot younger. She's nine years younger than I am. So. Yeah. When we moved to New Hampshire, I was 16, and I basically told my father he'd ruined my life (laughs) because I was in the middle of high school, and I just got desperate. You know, I thought, what am I – and, you know, my mantra was um, we've moved to the sticks with a bunch of hicks, which was not true, but at the time, it seemed to me I'd gone from this urban sort of setting – well, not urban, urban, but, you know, it was Nyack High School, which is a lot of kids and – right near new york city right. to the middle i was in new hampshire in the middle of nowhere um, and tell me why did you my dad move? yeah why did your dad move I, th- I think he wanted to get away from new york yeah. i think he wanted to have the freedom to keep writing the way he wanted to write i think he felt that theater wasn't he didn't wasn't planning on stopping writing plays but People weren't really seeking his kind of play out and right. at the time. It was a different time. And so um he just thought it was better to kind of move to New Hampshire, they could live more simply. It just was a simpler kind of way to handle things. And also, you know, he had jobs working on movies and stuff, but it wasn't like an actively productive time in terms of getting things done, but it was a very productive time. And getting, I mean, paid, paid, I mean, not,
0: yeah, he was yeah. getting
1: a lot of stuff done. He, he wrote The Orphan's Home Cycle. He, he, you know, wrote a lot of things. And, um,
0: and was your mom part of that
1: influence in going yeah, to New Hampshire? she loved New They both loved it. They got very involved with American antiques um, paintings and uh-huh. had a very close association with a, a man named Roger Bacon and his wife, Ruth and Roger's tw- identical twin Reggie hmm. and um they were big in the antique world up in New Hampshire big big time and there was this this sort of closeness and passion about that it was a great thing for both my parents i think in that regard and daisy meantime uh, was I like she was in grade school and she kinda grew up in New Hampshire. So right. she that's her version of my father's Wharton. It's um she writes about people she grew up around listening to and uh interacting with and um I think she does it wonderfully. Yes, she does. Yeah. And there's there are very there's
0: similarities in in um whether they're topics or or tonal similarities in their writing, but there also is- very Different too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're both, there's a simplicity of their writing. It's on, uh, it kind of grows with the the play or as you read it. Um, the experience of it sort of ends up kind of hitting you over the head unexpectedly sometimes. She writes about kind of more now, uh, you know, or, but what's similar, I think they write about character, they write really well about characters and, and, and also place, you know, the place is very important. Right, but it also has a kind of more universal implication.
0: Right, and and yet some of the similar themes of, of estates and land and yeah, you know, all
1: kinds of things. But those are kind of apply to everybody, I guess. Yes.
0: <laughs> so is that so? After you went to New Hampshire, is that when you started to seriously go into pursue the acting career? No,
1: I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was an English literature major in college. I I kind of started acting late. I was yeah. about 25 when I studied, started studying in California. Right. So, yeah, it kind of came late to me. I kind of one day woke up and thought, I think I want to try acting. And so right. mentioned it to my father, who looked totally panicked. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, you better study with somebody good. And he found a teacher for me, um, some a woman named Peggy Fury and right. her husband, right. William Trailer, And I studied with them for several years. And then I ended up going to New York, and I started working on my dad's um, – Actually, his orphan's home cycle. He had just written it, and I started working on it. So, I did a very different part than I was I going did to say. Originally. Which part did you play? I played Elizabeth, uh, and then we did them as movies. We did three of them as movies, and right. so there was a lot of activity. Yeah, and
0: you—you've actually—that's, I guess, one of the great things about um, having such a body of work of your 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 dad's is that you can, over the years, played multiple different. Parts, you can grow into you,
1: things, yes.
0: You know, in ways that you.
1: Now I remember when we did Orphans Home Cycle, thinking I'm now I'm playing my great grandmother, <laughs> and my great great grandmother, and I'd originally played my grandmother. So wow, yeah, that's yeah.
0: like you played the whole family. I played the whole
1: family. <laughs> yep. Well,
0: how does that affect your work? I mean, do you try to think about that, or just keep it simple about what's going on in I the scene?
1: I think I keep it pretty simple. Yeah, keep it, keep it. You know, according to what he's written, or or if it's my sister's play, what she's written. Mm-hmm. And I I think I feel like when you're working on a part, it's kind of the great mystery, right? And it's things just kind of pop out at you. And if you don't try to force them or control them, mm-hmm. I think you're greatly re- rewarded because I learned a lot actually working on this part. I had kind of an idea, which isn't always such a good thing, that seemed (laughs) to work. And at one point, I think I turned to Pam and said, you know, this is kind of a stupid idea because (laughs) I I need to – I'm not really talking, you know. I'm not listening. And Mm -hmm. so I had to kind of take a step back and – but, you know, that's part of the rehearsal process. That's what's so great about it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that that but why is
0: it so important? because people always talk about it, but from an actor's perspective, why is it so important to be able to listen? You know we say it's just talking, talking and, and listening.
1: listening I don't know if I have an answer for why it's so important, but I can tell you when you're not doing it, and then all of a sudden you do it, yeah it's the feeling is it's in your body- it's like all of a sudden you, you you feel something shift in your body, and you think, "Oh, wow, right. <laughs> it's just. It's sort of hard to talk about acting. It
0: is, it's, yeah. It's, it's very hard to talk about, yeah. and it's also, well, because it is, it's so much in the moment, you yeah. Know? And and to have that honesty and simplicity is also and to not bring to the table other things that you know. Couldn't
1: and you know what? Her. That's what was great about working on this play. There was a lot of that. As a matter of fact, your wife Mary Bacon, she had one of those moments where she went, Why am I doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> it was just fabulous. And she went, that's all wrong. And she just kind of had this shift. And she was right, you know. Yeah. And part of it was if we didn't have the rehearsal process, you wouldn't discover that. You just, you don't get to. You know, that's the thing that's so great about working on plays is you do have that extra time that you don't have when you're doing a movie or a television. Right, or right. You just have that extra time to kind of explore the text and work on the language and see where it takes you. Right. It's really wonderful,
0: and do you find that you know in also doing a show like I mean because you've been very busy, I mean not only have um though you haven't been here in New York right. um, dividing the states been going all across the country <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, which has been wonderful yeah. and, but how does that like for that play I mean you were with that play for two years almost? well yeah I think we
1: did two hundred performances or more oh, I, my anyway God. I love that. I can see, but I'm one of those people that I love to go and revisit a part. part. Right, right. Um, because to me, it's just you get to dig deeper. I, I don't, I know some people get bored and they think that's, they don't, it's just repeating, but I don't feel that. I feel, because you're on stage and every night's a different night and every audience is a different audience, Right. you get to kind of explore something in a newer, new and fresh way.
0: Right, right. Well, I always use, like, well, your famous line uh, on "bended knee,"
1: yeah, "bended knee,", knee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, um, but and also one of my other favorites was is is that the bright side,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean, that's what I, I I think is such a joy to have um, you it, being the interpreter of your dad's work because um, you have allowed and inspired so many other performers. Um, to your father's work as well, and I see it very much in this company because
1: oh, we've got um, great. I mean, Jane Shell said she's always wanted to work on something of my dad's, which is so touching to me. She's so wonderful um, know, she's... in Midnight Caller, and all the actors are wonderful. And um, I get to work with my husband, yeah, <laughs> Devin. Devin. He he plays my husband in Blind Date, which I love. You know, being on stage with him every night, and um, I think he's wonderful in One Arm Man, and just everybody you know that's in it. Yeah. You know, Alex who's in Midnight Caller and also One Our Man and, and Evan That's uh, you know, and Mary and Andrea and Jenny Dare uh Paulin. Um everybody is just great. It's yeah. a great company. And I think that's and Jeremy. I, mean, I said but, Jeremy before. But yeah. I'll say Jeremy him again. yeah.
0: <laughs> um but I think that's also uh maybe to the core of Horton's plays and what we we've discovered in in creating this New work in a sense, Harrison, Texas, um, that that the ensemble really is the key part to – a big part of your father's work.
1: Well, I think it always is. And yeah. if you have a good en- – the ensemble comes together and I think the plays are this unifying thing. And I notice that's kind of what happens. It's not about one person or – it's really about this company of actors that get to – Perform these pieces in this kind of terrific way, and everybody is equally important, as far right, as I'm concerned. Right, right, yeah.
0: And and I think that in itself is rare in this yeah. day and age, you know, um, and something to be celebrated. Yeah. And, and I certainly feel audiences experience that when they see his work. Yeah. And a moment about your father that you'd like to share with us, perhaps <laughs> about his writing or his process.
1: Well, just my father loved to write, and he used to say, you know, write what you know. I think he'd be really, really happy if he were here now that Primary Stages was doing this foot festival and that next up to bat would be my sister's play, and I think he'd probably be in that same chair every night watching her play as well because yeah. he just loved the theater. Yeah, And he's he sort of passed that love of the theater on to his kids, and I hope people... St- you know, the theater is a very important place. And he understood that better than anybody. And I
0: did think. he love it more than film?
1: No. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he liked to write films and he liked... The, but, you know, when you're in the theater, the writer is... Even in... It, it really is about the writer. Um, and if if you have good writing, you've got a great theater piece. <laughs> right. A right. great piece of theater. So right. he understood that and uh, just loved it.
0: And in, in our job is we can just tell the story, then yeah, we've done a, exactly. done it. Well, thank you, Hallie, for thank being you, here. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Primary Stages. And thank you to the American Theater Wing. And, uh, thank
1: you, American see Theater See you on Wing. the stage. Yes, absolutely. Hello, I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Downstage Center. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Our engineer for today's show is Chad Bernhard. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theater Wing is available online, on demand, for free at AmericanTheaterWing.org. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit our website, AmericanTheaterWing.org, and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theater Wing, thanks for your support and thanks for listening.